Uh, here's a few outpouring updates, things God's been doing as he's moving by his spirit among the refuge campuses. Last Wednesday night, uh, we had, uh, not this past, but the one before, a lady who was suffering from severe depression, who was trapped in a destructive living situation. And uh, that night, she was. We, we prayed, we came against enemies of our lives, and she got free from that spirit of depression that night. change God had delivered her and started blessing her and so I just want to tell you you don't know what moment may be your moment so 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 you hang in there like like Erica said you hang in there because you don't know when uh, when God is coming through but that's uh, we're so excited uh, about that this Wednesday night we saw one person saved and a lady was instantly healed had been suffering for days with pain in the back of her head and uh, we prayed and it was immediately gone. And uh, so we're so excited uh, that the Lord, it turns out, it really is true. And forever. If he's ever been it, he will continue to be it. And so. And then next Sunday morning at West, they're going to be baptizing several folks. And, uh, and so we're just excited about the Lord moving uh, everywhere among, uh, among the campuses and in the church and around the world. So many good things. Don't forget, I know that the enemy is drawing a great spotlight to the things he's doing. But don't forget to look for what God is actually doing. Uh, because he is always, always working. Find Psalm 50 with me this morning. Psalm 50. the uh, ESV version this morning so that you'll be right in line. But if you've got King James, New King James only, that's going to be very close too. So we're in Psalm 50. Two verses of scripture this morning. The Bible says in Psalm 50, 14, Sacrifice of, everybody say this next word, thanksgiving. And perform your vows to the Most High. And call upon me when things are going well. Prayer feels good. Call upon me when you're full of faith, like no enemy could ever take you out. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Notes just yet, but I have to take this moment to say he gives us a guarantee. When God says, I will, that's exciting. He didn't say, it's possible I could deliver you. He said, you call to me, and I will deliver you. And, 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 and so this morning, there's no doubt about God's intention about your life. It is, if you call to him, he is not going to fail you. Some of it feels like that you're being failed right now because there's a waiting period or it's not working out the the way you thought it would, or so he will. It might not be how you thought, it might not even be when you thought, but I guarantee you God will not be, let you be the per first person he ever failed in this world. Call upon me in the day of your trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify. 
I love how scripture has the capacity to reach through time and space and locate me right where I am. Have you ever noticed? of years ago about someone that lived thousands of years ago and somehow God will just pin you down with something that's going on to we are that word whenever you open it has a way of pulling right up into your neighborhood and finding the exact address where you live the way you need to read the word of God, expecting him to do that. Yes. That, that. That this word that is divinely ordained to be the redemptive uh, expression of God about his will and his purpose, it will find exact, look, the word of God, you're not living a life that the word of God had never heard of. Things that God hasn't ever seen before. Right. You're, you're not dealing with problems that God's having to go back to the drawing board about. Can I just remind you how much prepared God is for everything? See, the Bible using trees and plant life planted in the Garden of Eden. The Bible is very clear. Intentionally placing all kinds of flora and fauna God intentionally positioned and grew right there. That the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was intentionally planted by God. He placed that tree there. And when he did, he knew what could possibly happen there and he indeed knew what would happen there at that tree. And while we may say, well, why would... Why would God, shouldn't God have just saved everyone, including himself, all of the trouble of needing a redemptive plan and, and having to, to deal with sin entering into the world if we just not place that tree in the garden? But what you don't realize is this. The Bible also says that before that tree was planted, that opened the door for us to have to confront sin, before that tree was ever planted, the Bible says that the Lamb of God was slain from the foundation of the world. So before the opportunity for failure ever came for us, Jesus had already been assigned and given his mission, his missive role in the redemptive work of God. So God said, I'm about to plant this garden. We're going to have a tree. It's going to cause some problems. But guess what? When I laid the foundation of everything, Jesus the Redeemer was already in the foundation. That means whatever is growing in your life today, difficulty, sin, problems, pain, uh, obstacles, whatever it is, before the foundation of your world, Christ was already slain. Everything you're dealing with was already dealt with. God already made the way of escape before you ever got trapped. Before you ever got out there in sin, Jesus had already died on the cross for that sin. And so, so there's nothing that is happening to us right now that is shocking God, taking, it by, taking him by surprise. But Psalm 50 locates us as the church and as Americans in 2023. It even locates you as an individual. 
right now. So November 19, 2023, at uh, 10.45 a.m. and 53 seconds. It locates you in this verse where? He says, in the day of trouble. Just this week, you possibly have said, this world's in trouble. America's in trouble. The American church is in trouble. My nephew is in trouble. Our finances are in trouble. You may have had a day where things were out of, out of whack at work and you're trying to make them come back in line. You say, that we've got trouble today. You may have sent your, your spouse a text and say, pray because there's just trouble today. Or you may have found out there was trouble for your child at school. And when the Bible talks about the day of trouble, that's a day some of us know very well. Because some of us are living a day of trouble right now. In fact, I'd say planet Earth is entering into quite a day of trouble right now. This is the day of trouble for the whole world because of all that we see unfolding. And you can, and you can talk about ungodliness and the depths of sin and depravity. You can also talk about the prophetic things that are coming into alignment in the Middle East. And you can say very clearly, this is a day of trouble. We have world leaders that are corrupted on every hand. We have motivations of nations and leadership that, that, that seem to be not very good. We, we have national crisis after national crisis. In our world, it is a day of trouble. I'm going to tell you, for the church, it can be a day of trouble because some are finding their theology coming up short for what we're facing. Some are deciding if they're going to live for God or if they're not going to live for God. And some of them are deciding they're not going to. And it's a day of trouble for us as individuals, for your life and for mine. So I didn't come to talk to you this Sunday before the holiday about Thanksgiving Day. I came to you to talk about another day. Because Thanksgiving Day will come and go. But this other day, we've got to learn how to deal with. Because this day of trouble is here, and Jesus said it wasn't going anywhere. Are you sure? He said, in the world, you will, there's another will statement of Jesus, you will have tribulation. But I'm here to tell you the same God who told you and guaranteed you that you would have trouble in this world told us to go ahead and cheer up because he overcame this world. Tell somebody on your road that needs to hear it, cheer up. Looks like you better tell some of them again. Do you realize, now you got to read scripture slow or you'll miss important things. Jesus said, in the world, you'll have tribulation. He didn't say in the kingdom you're going to have tribulation. This is why you got to change your citizenship from this world into the kingdom of God. Because this world is nothing but trouble right now. But in the kingdom of God, the Bible says that kingdom isn't even shaken. The things that make us shake aren't making God shake. And so Jesus says in the world you'll have tribulation. Which is why 
We've come into the kingdom of God. And if you are not in a, love, in a relationship with Jesus this morning, let me encourage you. This is the day. Switch your sh- citizenship. Get out of this thing that's called the world and, and, get, and get transferred over into the kingdom, the Bible says, of God's dear son, where there is his light and his life and his resources and his help and his strength and his hope, where there's a relationship with God, where you become his child, where he gives you guarantees and a covenant about your future. Come on into that kingdom because when you do, you step out of the trouble and you step into the victory. And I know your body is walking through the trouble, but your spirit man is soaring in victory on top of all of it. So, Lord, gathered us here today on Sunday morning to talk about the day of trouble. Now, now, I'm not going to leave you on Sunday before Thanksgiving just talking about trouble. I would recommend to you that if you're listening to a preacher and they just bring you always to the cliff and dangle you over the cliff and never rescue you with any truth, you probably need to listen to somebody else because that's going to get pretty discouraging pretty quick. So I'm not going to leave you in the trouble today, but we are going to talk about the day of trouble. And this is why. Psalm 50 reveals God is not ignoring the trouble. He says, you call upon me in the day of trouble. Some of us may need to hear that this morning because it feels like sometimes when we are walking through valleys or difficulties or issues or pains, or especially if we've had our own failure or a moment of relapse or a moment of misjudgment, it may feel like the forgotten of God. Because I'm in this trouble, and I mean, does God really want to fellowship this? And, and, and I mean, I brought this trouble on myself, so it's not up to God to bring me out. He didn't say, call upon me in the day of the trouble you didn't create. Because church family, if we were responsible to get ourselves out of all the trouble we created, we'd just all be buried alive. There'd never be any hope. That's the whole point. We brought this whole thing of sin on ourselves as a human race. And Jesus said, well, you brought it on, but I'm going to bring you out. That's why God says the key is, is to not get focused on the trouble, just call upon me. And you need to know God is not ignoring the trouble. God is not just the God that's like, you know, whistling off to the side, looking away from all you're walking through. They got it right yet? Nope. Let me just ignore them a while longer. Sounds ridiculous, except that's how it feels sometimes. But the reality is God does not ignore your trouble. He's giving you remedies for your trouble because he cares about it. And he's not even downplaying it like, oh, because you know what we do? We self-sabotage. We're in trouble. And then we get to the place, well, you know, somebody else would handle this better than I'm handling this. I'm making this worse. If I were a better person, if I had more faith, if I was a better believer, this or this or this or this or this. And all of that is focused only on me and not at all on God. And it keeps driving me darker and darker into a place of discouragement. God's not downplaying your trouble. It's real. It's important to him. And here's the reason that God will just go ahead in Psalm 50 and bring it up and say, look, there's going to be a day of trouble. Here's why he's willing to talk about it. You know why? Because he's in no way intimidated by it. 
He is in no way intimidated by the trouble you're in, the trouble you created, the trouble that you found yourself in because of bad decisions. He's not intimidated by the trouble the enemy is causing with demonic attack, the trouble that the world is in with all of the lies and the deception. He's just not intimidated by any of it. So he'll bring it up and say, there's a day of trouble, let's talk about it. Because it's not challenging him in any way because no matter how big your trouble is, God is still bigger. So the Lord doesn't mind or desecrate the day of trouble because he has a plan for the day of trouble. I don't, you know, you know if some of y'all are, you're in management or you lead something at work, at school, in your family, and you're in a place where you kind of make decisions and you make plans. And you know, if you're in the place where you've made a plan for something, it doesn't seem nearly as upsetting to you when it comes. When you have a contingency plan in place, this is why contingency plans and emergency plans are made. So that that plan is in place, and then the day that that emergency shows up, you just fall back to the plan. We know what to do. And God is not intimidated by our trouble because he already has a plan for it. The only reason we get worried about trouble is because we we don't know what's going to happen. But what if we could guarantee what's going to happen? What if we knew the plan? What if we understood, hey, we're facing a challenge, but look, God's already laid this out for us. How different, how how much less anxiety do we live in? How at peace do we have? Uh, How much peace do we have in our minds? It's crucial to us that God does have a plan because the word trouble in Psalm 50 in Hebrew isn't just talking about a few inconveniences. No, trouble in Hebrew here means this, straits, dire straits, adversity, tribulation, having an adversary. The very real problems and issues and circumstances of every kind that are bearing down on our lives of any dimension, that's what God calls trouble. But I love that the trouble in Hebrew here doesn't start, stop with the problem. It also means distress, anguish, and affliction. Why does it include those meanings? Because if you have adversity, tribulation, and an adversary, I'm going to just predict to you, you're also going to have distress, anguish, and affliction. If you have a problem, you're also probably going to have some pain. If you have an attack, you're probably also going to have some confusion. What's the difference? It's the outward reality of problems and the inward reality that they cause. Because we're not just people with no emotions and no mind. We're affected by what goes on in our lives. And God wants us to know by using this Hebrew word for trouble that he is aware of all of the things going on around you. He's also aware of the storm going on within you. Because some of us will downplay that too and say, well, these things just shouldn't bother me like they're bothering me. Do you realize it's amazing you still have your right mind after what you've been through? Do you realize it's amazing you haven't just gone off and knocked somebody's head clean off when they did dumb things to you? 
Do you realize it's amazing you hadn't gone and got yourself fired after stuff that happened to you at work? And we think, oh, these things just shouldn't bother me. Well, the Hebrew says that there's trouble to the degree that the outward also affects the inward. And God brings it up because he wants to say, and I've got you covered on both ends. I know how to get rid of the enemy that's around you, and I know how to clear up the storm that's within you today. That means God doesn't just recognize the problem itself, but he cares about the pain it causes you. It matters to God that you're losing sleep over it. It matters to God that that, those words wounded you. Now, does he have healing and victory over it? Absolutely. But it matters to him. You're going to help your child up if they fall. You're going to help them get back on track. But you do care that they scraped up their knee. Except for some of y'all that just tell them, quit crying about it. Shut up and and move on. Pastor, but my child is all drama all the time and I can't give in to it. I do understand that dynamic too. But at the end of the day, when your child is truly hurt, you do care. You care about what happened to them and you care about what's, what it did in their heart. And God feels that way about you. Think of, have you, have you thought through what Jesus went through? He endured outward trouble and inward trauma. He endured problems and pain. And the reason he did was so that he could overcome it for us. He embraced it. He absorbed it. He let it all come to himself so he could, he said, I know that this will crush them. So I'm going to let it crush me instead. Because I know that at the end of the day in Gethsemane, I'm going to pray, not my will, but thine be done. And I know that I'm going to go to the cross and let it just completely deal with me because I'm going to rise up out of the grave and overcome it. And I don't want them to be crushed by it, so I'll be crushed by it. That's what Jesus decided in walking out the redemptive plan for us. That's why Psalm 50 can go on to say, in the day of trouble, I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Look, The Lord intends to turn your day of trouble into a day of deliverance. I have absolutely no doubt in proclaiming that to you this morning. That what you are walking through and what the enemy would like it to do to you, God's 100% intention is to be healed from it and to be delivered from it and for you to overcome in victory over all of it. That is the plan of God. There is no doubt. You see a dead end. But God sees a split sea. You see death and God sees a resurrection. You see a mistake, but God sees the possibility for redemption. So the day of trouble that we're walking through, we got to look at it different. It's simply an opportunity for deliverance and then for God to get the glory. And he will. That's his plan for you in this thing. Anytime you have a day of trouble... That's the plan. Deliver you and receive glory for himself. That's God's plan. But pastor, that doesn't always happen. 
Sometimes trouble turns into defeat and destruction. How am I guaranteed deliverance on this day of trouble? Well, that's why you read the entire passage. Now let's go back and put the day of trouble in context. Verse 14. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. In the day of trouble, there is a key that unlocks the door of deliverance for you. And that key is your response. The key to your day of trouble for you is how you respond. God has already decided that his response is deliverance if you respond correctly. Your response. You don't have to fix the problem. You don't have to overcome the enemy by yourself. You don't have to heal yourself. You don't have to free yourself. But you get to choose how you respond to day of trouble. Day of trouble can be discouraging you, and you can just go bury yourself and decide to give up. Day of trouble can make you angry, and you can just go into a rage and, and, and lose your mind over it. You can respond many ways to a day of trouble. You could become jaded and bitter against the world and people and even God. You can choose your response to the day of trouble. But the prescribed response that brings about the deliverance of the Lord God was kind enough to reveal that one to us. And I just, I just have to put a point, fine point on it and ask you, in your day of trouble right now, the trouble you're facing, how are you responding to it? What's been your response lately? You over in the flesh? You responding by the Spirit? You responding according to the Word of God? Are you responding led by what the Lord is leading you to say and to do? Or are you just knee-jerk reactions and, 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 and anger or, 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 or discouragement or self-pity? How are you responding to your day of trouble? Because your response is the key. And your response is such a key that it'll unlock one door or another. Your response to the day of trouble will unlock the door of defeat and you can just lay down in defeat and be run over by your flesh, by the enemy, by the problems. Or you can take this key of Psalm 50 and unlock the door of God's deliverance. Here's the response that opens that door. In the day of trouble... Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. That's right. In the day of trouble, he's saying, you've got to be thankful. It's hard in the day of trouble to be thankful because the trouble is making all the noise. The trouble is causing all the pain and drawing your attention. But in the day of trouble... Offer unto God the sacrifice of thanksgiving. And here's how thanksgiving works. Because some of you really need help getting there. Some days I really need help getting to thanksgiving with all of the things I'm walking through. Here's how it works. It is tied to your vision and it is tied to your voice. Thanksgiving is tied to your vision and your voice. See, your vision is your perspective. And your perspective, the enemy is trying to manipulate your perspective by the news that you hear, by the people that he has their, his finger on and he 
nudges them to text you and talk to you at work. He's trying to influence your perspective because your vision will either enable or disable thanksgiving in your life. If you see nothing good, if you see no hope, if you see no blessings, if you see no activity of God, if you see no hand of God, no answered prayers, if that's what you see, you're not going to be doing any thanking because you won't see anything to be thankful for. But if you wrestle your perspective away from the enemy and you put it back on God and say, well, right now there are some things going on in my life that are not the best. They may not even be God's plan. They may be the enemy trying to come in. It may even be that I failed. But in spite of that, I'm going to remember the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I'm going to remember that he woke me up today and that he saved me. I'm going to remember that he gave me his word. He, he lives inside of me by his spirit, that he is walking with me every day, that he's speaking to me every day. I'm going to remember something. I'm going to wrestle my perspective back from the enemy. Some of you need to do that this morning. You to take your vision back from the enemy. He's trying to make you see all this and forget about all of this that God is doing, has done, and will do for you. Amen. Your vision. That's part of Thanksgiving. But that's not all there is to Thanksgiving. When you go and you research the word here in Hebrew, it's not just talking about, well, I have a thankful attitude. Well, you know, the Lord knows I have a thankful, grateful heart. Here's what I found out about when you're really grateful, you say something about it. When you're really grateful, you mention it. And so Thanksgiving is about your vision. It is also about your voice because the word thankful here in Hebrew means to confess. So your, your vision says, well, God's on the throne. He's made me many promises. He's kept so many of them. He's been faithful to me. He loves me. He's saved me. He's forgiven me of my sin. And you enumerate in your mind the vision of all the ways and reasons you have to be thankful. And then thanksgiving in Hebrew requires confession of those things. In other words, my mouth needs to... This is why David had to say... I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth because he understood that thanksgiving doesn't stop in the mind. It comes out the mouth. Why does it need to come out the mouth? Many reasons, but not the least of which is because what is already in our mouth needs to be replaced with some other stuff. The complaining, the murmuring, the faithlessness, all of the stuff that may be in our mouth that vision needs to come down into our voice so that it takes over that other stuff. Because like Erica already said, the voice has power. And I am feeding whatever I'm talking about. I'm, I'm just going to let that simmer. You are feeding in your own mind, in your children, in your workers, in the people around you. You are feeding whatever you're talking about. Those of you that go to work and they're like, oh, you, here you come again. You're always talking about the Lord. Yep, you're feeding something for them. Amen. They don't even know they need it, but you're feeding them with what you're talking about. That person that's always discouraged and you're like, nope, you need to be encouraged. Nope, I'm praying for you. No, you're feeding something. in. But the problem is we don't always feed the faith. Sometimes we feed in other things. 
like our own anger or our own bitterness? What do you mean? Because we'll keep going back and talking. Everybody we see, well, you know, you know what they did, and you know what I'm having to try to work through, and you know what, you know what you're doing? You are feeding your own unforgiveness. Feeding it. Starve that thing to death. There are things that if we would just stop talking about them, they would get smaller and smaller and smaller in our lives. This is why the psalmist could also say, magnify the Lord with me. On the other end of the spectrum is, well, I'm going to starve this other stuff, but I'm going to make God bigger. Now, you're not making God bigger than he is. You're making him, what's a magnifying glass do? Makes things bigger in your eyes. And when you magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together, you are speaking about God to the point that he gets closer to being as big as he actually is to you. But we're going to have to talk about it. You're going to have to be thankful verbally, spoken, out loud. Another reason is you need to hear it and the enemy needs to hear it. Stop trying to think the enemy away and start using your voice to command him away. There's victory very much in your voice. You don't see Jesus delivering any person with a demon by thinking about it. You speak to enemies spiritually from your place of authority in the name of Jesus because victory is in your mouth. Defeat is also in your mouth. If you use it that way. And in the day of trouble, you can be sure of this. In the day of trouble, you can be sure of this one thing. That thanksgiving is a sacrifice. See, I had you turn to the ESV this morning. Specifically to read this passage. And here's why. Because in the original language, the word sacrifice is included in this in the translation of this passage, that thanksgiving is assumed to be a sacrifice in the original language. But many of the other translators don't include the word sacrifice. Some do, many don't. And it might seem like it's redundant, but it's, it's not redundant. It's absolutely necessary to the meaning of what's being said here. Because if you've ever walked through a real day of trouble and you decided to thank God anyway. Something got sacrificed. You made a sacrifice. What do you mean? Well, what is an Old Testament sacrifice? Something dies. And if you are thankful to God and you can speak thanksgiving, even in the middle of a day of trouble, something is having to die in you. Your anger or or, or your bitterness or your discouragement or your pride, or your disappointment, or your unforgiveness. If you are in the midst of a day of trouble and you will overcome it to speak to God and tell him how grateful and thankful, I'm telling you, some, your flesh for sure is dying. Because when there's trouble, you don't want to be thankful. What do you want? You want a pity party. <laughs> Self-pity dies in the day of trouble when you start thanking God. So he's very real. He's not pulling any punches. 
In this day of trouble, the formula to get to deliverance, you'll get yourself to a place where you can be delivered when you will offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And I'm not lying to you. He says, this will be a sacrifice. In other words, we don't thank God when it's easy only. We don't thank God when it feels most natural only. There's sometimes when it seems natural, like it just erupts out of your mouth. Oh, thank the Lord. Praise God. And it's easy because of what's happened. But what about when what's happening doesn't make it easy? That's the moment of sacrifice. Because you're, you're like, Lord, I'm willing to put me on the altar to remind me that you're still good in spite of all this. That's a sacrifice. That's a sacrifice. If you've been around me long enough, you've heard me tell stories about my freshman year of college when I went to Minnesota to music school. Music school I attended was founded by a gentleman named F. Malius Chris Johnson. He was a band and a choir director and a composer. One day in 1922, Chris Johnson's wife and their 10-year-old son, Carl, were in Minneapolis on Carl's birthday, the 10-year-old son. Chris Johnson wasn't with them. They were about business in town. They lived outside of Minneapolis. So the mother and, and Carl were in town, and there was a terrible vehicle accident in Minneapolis that day on Carl's 10th birthday. Carl's mom was injured, but Carl was greatly injured, and the next day he died. And when news of their 10-year-old son's passing reached F. Malius Chris Johnson, he immediately plunged into a deep place of grief and sorrow and despair. And the story is told and you don't read it in the history books. They don't publish it in the history, but I know because I was there and I, the professors told me this story. And after he went into this grief and this overwhelming sorrow over the loss of his son, he disappeared for a time. And they didn't find him. And, and uh, you can imagine what might have been going on in his mind during that time. You can imagine what he might have been wrestling with. But Chris Johnson was a man of faith, actually. And while he was gone, he got a hold of Psalm 50. And then Psalm 50 got a hold of him. You know the difference between when you get a hold of the Scripture and then when it gets a hold of you? And somewhere in that hour of darkness and despair for him, somewhere in his day of trouble he found his voice I don't know how you do that when you've just lost a young child sadly some in this room know what that's about I don't know what you battle through to find your voice of thanksgiving when your day of trouble includes losing a child but he found his voice what did he do he began to compose and when he returned, this 
is the work he brought with him. can't imagine what a sacrifice it was for Chris Johnson to reach down below the depth of grief and despair into the spirit and draw out the thanksgiving and praise that turned into that music. Because you can't tell me that the sound of that music was the way his soul really sounded. He reached into another world to draw that out, to be able to thank God. And I know this. He lived another 33 years and cultivated an amazing career of composing and conducting all over the world. 
He established schools and won all kinds of awards and he even raised his other children to follow in his footsteps with their own successful and award-winning lives and careers. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying he called upon the Lord in the day of his trouble and the Lord delivered him. Mm -hmm. Yes, he went away. Yes, he was grieved. But somewhere in there, he found it in himself to thank the Lord in the middle of the pain and the middle of the trouble and God turned trouble into triumph. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, that is the plan God has for you today, to reach into your day of trouble and to deliver you. That word means to draw you out and rescue you from where you are. Some in this room today, you need to be rescued. You need to be rescued from discouragement and despair. You don't see anything happening good. You don't see a way out. You don't see a future. You don't know how it's going to happen. You need to be rescued. Some of you need to be rescued because you're not walking with God and your life is gripped by sin and the enemy is having his way but you need rescue from God today and the key is this will you just call upon him in the day of your trouble guess what I already talked to the Lord about all this days and days ago the Lord and I talked all through this service I prayed all up and down the aisles and the rows of this room about this service and about you. Because I'm not willing that you leave defeated out of this room today. I'm not willing that life continue to bear down its ugly hand and control you with all of the circumstances and that sin keep gripping your life and destroying. I'm not willing for that and neither is Jesus. That's why he said, call upon me and I will deliver you. I already talked to the Lord about this day. Today, he's going to deliver you. Why am I so sure? Because in this house today, in these next moments before we adjourn for the Thanksgiving holiday, we are going to offer unto God a sacrifice of Thanksgiving. I'm not going to trust you to go home and do it. I'm not going to trust you to go to the car and get it done because the enemy may envelop you in his discouragement before you get out the door. No, I'm not going to let him have that chance today. We are going to thank God in this room before it. It may not feel good. It may not feel comfortable. It may not feel convenient. Well, this morning, we're going to thank our way through to victory today. The prayer team is coming right now. The worship team is preparing. And what we're going to do I don't give a lot of orders, but I'm giving this order the captain of this ship today. We are going to thank God. We're going to thank him out of our problems, out of our pain. We're going to thank God. So listen, I'm asking every person that needs rescue in this room, whether you are walking through a day of trouble and you're just being swallowed by it and you need to get on top of it, or if you need the rescue if you're away from God, and you need to thank him that Jesus died for you and accept what he did so that he can lift you up out of sin and bondage. When I say come, we're going to stand and you're going to come. Either way. And you're going to begin to thank God. Now at some point we're going to pray for you. But mostly we're here to thank God today. Because Thanksgiving, you're calling on God. You're giving him a sacrifice of Thanksgiving. And then he's going to rescue you. So whichever it is for you, I'm going to encourage everyone to stand right now.
And if you need rescue from anything this morning, I'm going to invite you to come right now, right now. Fill up the front of this room. Let's sing it now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.